podcast season two episode 10 going going gone auctions in games joining you as always is me nathan and i'm jackie welcome everyone as you have seen on uh, on bgg if you follow us there we have been having a slowdown through the summer life is picking back up and so we that got into our programming and that would probably be a little slow until the end of july but we're trying to to be on a regular schedule anyhow and how have you been nathan good good yeah things are opening back up it still feels weird to me to go a ton of places without a mask but you know it's you know just a readjustment it was an adjustment to get the masks on and now it's an adjustment to get the masks off so uh yeah but i'm excited for things returning to some sort of uh normalcy because it does mean much more gaming in person which of course we both love yeah and for me it's um peculiar that i was expecting to to start also to do more things somewhere but so far I have been way more comfortable with seeing people. Like we had Jackie Kong, we had people over, we had people over for dinner because there I know that everyone is vaccinated. I know that there is a control environment. Um, and so that that was easier. Uh, we have still not been, for example, to a movie theater or we have been out uh, once for dinner. We're slowly readapting to the interaction with the unknown but we have been having people over to play to to dine and it has been great so far well that was the goal of the vaccination campaign to bring life back to Mm -hmm. life i guess (laughs) so what have you played recently so uh, i wanted to start with one that we actually played together which is we care a gritzel game we played it on last friday night and it is an interesting spin. So for those who haven't played it, Grizzled is a game from, I think, 2016. I'm not checking, but something like that. Uh, it's a cooperative game where you're trying to play card to the board, stopping in time before you bust, but there are certain conditions in the game that can force you to bust. There are rules that change constantly that influence how you're playing. And WeCare takes that idea and moves it from a war environment to doctors fighting a pandemic, I guess. The rules are very close. There are a few differences. I felt like the theme worked probably a little better, mm-hmm. but the couple of rules that they changed made it a little less interesting. Grizzled has some quonky passages that got definitely smoothed here but to the cost of a very procedural update. So there are eight very simple phases, but there are eight (laughs) of them. And so you go through... Eight simple phases. (laughs) Yeah, that's the point. They broke it down so much and they have so many little things that you can do that the flow tends to be a little broken for me compared to to Grizzle. It was still enjoyable in a vacuum. So if, for example, Grizzle wasn't available or if someone didn't feel comfortable with playing a game about World War One, and or someone really wants to be in the Doctor's theme, it's definitely an enjoyable cooperative game. But I think I still much prefer the, the original. Despite the differences being tiny, my experience with the original has been more uh, fulfilling. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect because... I purchased it only because 
I, I heard the buzzwords of it. You know, I heard it's a grizzled game. It's uh, set in the healthcare setting and it's about the pandemic. And then also that they, part of the sales are going to help um, healthcare workers actually fight against the pandemic. So all those things made me just kind of like go, okay, whatever, I'm going to just get it. So um, I'm not, I don't own the Grizzled, so I'm not mad that I own this version of it. I get what you're saying about how it like has something different. Like it has, it feels a little, yeah, more, I guess more procedural is like what you said. So it, it does feel that way a little bit, but for me, I'm like, I love procedural. <laughs> so it makes it, it made it, I don't know. And I like the, the like quarantining and the, the different, like you have to flip a card to see if you've been exposed. And like, I don't know. It, I felt like it was being truthful without being like tactless. Like I felt like it wasn't like trying to like poke fun at the situation. I don't feel like it was trying to, you know, make light of it either. I feel like it was, it was trying to be sort of, true to our current situation yes and uh, i think that another thing is both positive and negative about the game is that etienne leroux uh, who's the artist has a much more at the same time accessible but less memorable style so when someone sees the grizzle i think the art there is by tinu let me see yeah tinu 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 i think their art is very very iconic very recognizable and but in a it's kind of a strange style the 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 colors all melt together everything has a melty feeling as if it was brushed and it's a little caricatural but not in a funny way it's more of a it's it's strange and i really really like it but i could also see someone preferring the clean the clean approach of we care which has a more standard not cartoonish but not uh, photographic realism either it's a very very board game style and yeah. that also might might be of use in one way or another to decide which one pre- uh, prefers what mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one that i wanted to talk about was tapestry Oh, yeah. So Tapestry is from Jamie Stegmeier, and it is published by Stonemeyer Games. And it was a civilization game. It's touted as a two-hour game. Um, it felt <laughs> like we went and smashed that record. <laughs> was it much longer? If I don't know. It felt very long to me. And the the way that the turns go so that um people aren't in the same ages at the same time um i didn't really enjoy that like i got that what they were trying to do with that but also i ended like (laughs) a good 15 minutes before you both ended yeah in general that was the same problem i had in my lonely other play of tapestry there is a lot that I like potentially um, 
for example, the, the tracks. I like tracks and moving up on tracks was very good this time, like last time. But there is a lot of rinse and repeat. Gain the resources, spend the resource here. Uh, the very fact that it's so open that what kind of resources you get most of the times, it doesn't matter until it does late in, late in the game. Uh, the fact that there is so much little randomness, there are really things where you have one giant random thing, but every time you roll the, the science die, every time you flip a technology, every time you draw a tapestry card, every time you roll the dice to attack on the middle of the board, there are all these micro instances of, of randomness that don't seem to jive together with this long-term, as you were saying, we played for, yeah, you were right, uh, two, two hours and 40 minutes with just three players. This, it's an accumulation step, but not really an, en an engine building. So you feel like you should have more control on what you're doing than, than what happens. And in all the, the, the civilizations, which are the ones that you play with, have powers that can be determinant, but that didn't feel particularly interesting. For example, mine was just get something at the beginning of each era, which was useful, strong, but not particularly interesting. Yours sounded very interesting. It was choose um, a technology, yours or someone else. Someone else is move it up on the development track. And if it fully develops, you get it. And if otherwise you share the bonus of the development. But in the end, they are so rare because you only use it three times, four times during the game because that's how many ages there are. And they don't feel present while you're playing. Compare it to the other big game by, by Stomai or Scythe uh, where every turn what you do is determined by who you are. If you have the one that can use two encounters, you, you do it every time you do an encounter. If you have the, the wild resource, you do it every turn. If you can fight more, you are interesting in fighting throughout the game. While these felt very lateral. And so the game was not, just like last time, it wasn't a particularly painful experience. Like my turn, I wasn't sitting there moaning the fact that I had to play it, by not by any chance. It was just okay, I have these resources, I guess I'll go up here, I'll, I'm head here and I'll take, if I remember to take them, the the landmarks and things like that. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm going to reserve judgment on it because I feel like it was my first game, it was your second game and it was Anna's first game. So maybe if we had a clearer like idea as to what to expect as the, the game went on. I feel like for me and for Anna, the end kind of was like, oh, it's over. Like we, we thought that there was like some, we thought we were playing another card. We thought that, you know, things were, other things were going to happen and they just didn't. So I think going into my next game of it, I would definitely, you know, keep that in mind. Another one that I really wanted to talk about, which I played a little while back is Sonora. Mm -hmm. So it's a flickin' right <laughs> by Rob Newton and published by Panasaurus Games. I did not enjoy this game at all. It was very 
weird. So like the like selling point of the the game is that you're like flicking little discs onto a four by four grid, and based on where the discs land, you get to um, write that number in that area. It was I don't know. It didn't like maybe if if it were like a solo game. I would have liked it more, maybe, but I don't know. It was just weird because, like, so you have four different areas, and the four different areas correspond to four different, um, like, mini games on your own sheet. And so one, you're trying to, like, just complete up hexes. Another one, you're trying to make shapes, like, Tetris, but also, like, a crossword combination. Another one, you're, like, moving down a river. And another one, you're trying to make, like, triangles. And I don't know. It just... I played it... Excuse me. With Brian. And it... I don't know. I just... I didn't really like it. It... I don't know if, like... I just don't particularly like this style of game. This... Like, I like Rollin' Rights sometimes... Um, and maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for, for a rolling rate, but like, this is the first time in a while that I've actually stopped a game. And I was like, I can't play this anymore. Like we didn't even finish it. We just stopped because it was just, it just like was dragging and nothing was happening. Yeah. As you know, I don't particularly like flip and write, roll and write and all of that. But the one thing that I think is, is solid in those games, the thing that draws people is the the flow, the simple flow of it, right? You roll and you fill in, you flip a card and you fill in. And this seems that breaks with that because you have to flick things and do things. So I think that I haven't played the game and it's not a game that you can particularly understand for, for just the images. Um, but it feels to me that that simplicity, that easy pace that is at the core of a good uh, roll and write or flip and write game is thrown out of the window when you have to start flicking. And so at that point, why am I playing a something and right rather than something else if that that's speed, that uh, easy pace um, is, is thrown away? Yeah, that's what I really probably felt was missing was that like I was going into expecting it to be like a regular like roll and write and instead it was like, uh, it was an odd mechanic to throw in with a game where you're basically checking things off on a piece of paper. Yep. So um, it's not for me. I don't know if people out there, is this your favorite game? Like definitely leave me a comment and let me know if I got this completely wrong. But uh, yeah, that was Sonora. I haven't tried Welcome To yet in that genre that I would like to try. I love Welcome To. I'll try that one. Um, so another one that we revisited was Netatanka, which at the same time, we didn't particularly like this specific instance of the game, and I will get to why in a moment, but rekindled my interest in actually playing this game as it's supposed to, to be played. So we played with the five-player expansion, and is one of those things where I usually defend Kickstarter games from this accusation, but this definitely was a piece that was thrown in and not thought out as well as you should. So Netatanka, um, without going in any of the many details of the game, is a worker placement game where the, the twist is that you don't only get whatever you go on to, but also if two of your 
placements are nearby one to each other, near to each other on the board, you get the connected link and that's additional resources and you convert the resources in different buildings and all of that. So normally you use three, three little meeples and you do the things. Uh, with five players, one of those meeples is a special meeple, basically, that can go on a space that is already taken, which sounded, oh, interesting. You have more variability, more, more choices. Actually, that single-handedly took away a lot of what was interesting in the game because it did two things. First, it made almost irrelevant caring for what other people's links were, what they were going for, because sure, you you could not go to a place where there were already two, spa- two people, but two people would have to use their spot to block you from a link, and you could just go to the other side. While with, when playing with three or four, that was a big deal of, okay, I could get this resource, which is not exactly what I wanted, but by going there, I'm blocking this person from getting the link. And the second thing was the timing was thrown off. Uh, one of the themes of the game is that there is replenishment of resources that comes from the forest and from the buffaloes being uh, captured and killed. And the rhythm at which that happens is determined by player's action. But so often you have to time, okay, if he's going there to replenish, I now can go here because I know I play after him and I can get the meat that he has prepared or get the the woods the, the the wood from the trees that he has grown. While with this extra meeple you could go replenish your thing and then guarantee being first if you were earlier in turn order because you then resolve the workers in order. So in a way it completely threw off the game. It became often just a matter of slugging to another turn of simply getting what you wanted and therefore just a matter of calculating whether you had made the right choice in going for one point strategy rather than another and the interaction was taken away. This said, I still think very highly of the game. Actually, I notice a few interactions between spots and between action that I hadn't seen in my previous games and so I definitely want to go back and wash away this this bad impression actually even then who played this for the first time and didn't like it but said that he definitely wants to go back to the game and try it the right way basically so it was an a strange uh, bittersweet experience did you have anything else you want to talk about i uh, just want to mention very quickly um to confirm what i expected the expansion the, that you so kindly gifted to us, the Marina expansion for Draftosaurus. Mm-hmm. I am happy to report that it integrates in the game very smoothly. It doesn't add basically any explanation or very little, and it's not particularly relevant one way or another. It just adds one more dinosaur in the in the pool, and it was fun. Uh, the details are not particularly important. It's just another way of scoring points. And I liked it. And I think that if people like Draftosaurus, I don't think they will be disappointed with it. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed playing that. It was very, very simple So to add, and I liked it. So Okay.
So our review game for today, which is in line with our theme of um, auction games, is Ra by Rainer Nizia, which is one of his uh, very classic games. It was published in 1999. It has undergone a few editions, like a lot of his popular games. The last one that was available was the Fantasy Flight edition, which had some very nice improvements, other things that people didn't particularly like. And they are coming out next year, basically the next essence, so in more than a year from now, with a new edition that they announced recently that they had no idea. And um, it's an auction game. It's one of his trilogy of auction games, Ra, Modern Art, and Amura. And the way it works is basically everyone is feeding from the same bag. There is a bag of tiles and you draw tiles from the bag and some of them score at the end of each age, some at the end of the game. I won't go into the details, but there are some that are majority related, some that score straight up points, some that are set collection. But the interesting thing that is, is that on your turn, you can either draw a tile from the bag and add it to the current auction pool or invoke a ra auction in which everyone participates once around and if you call the ra auction never no one bids anything you must get it the interesting thing for an auction game is that ra is based on fixed bids everyone starts with some tiles basically currency tiles in fixed values. So I might start with 7, 12, and 13, and you might start with 16, 4, and 5. And when it's your turn, time to bid, the only options that you have are the currency tiles that you haven't used in that round, which takes away the, the extreme flexibility of, of open auction games with where you bid with money or points but at the same time limits the amount of times that you participate can participate. Because even if you get something for cheap, uh, that means getting it with one of your lower tiles, not getting it with little money. And so you keep doing this. There are some ways in which uh, an auction can be forced some people just to prevent accumulation of tiles. But there is this interesting dynamism of people trying to bid early or late, depending on what they have. There is also a track of raw tiles, which are the ones that trigger the, the extra auctions. And if that tile fills up to the end, that's the end of the round. So there is also an element of push your luck. If you are in a dominant position or if you are the, one la the last one left in a round, you could potentially wait and wait and wait, trying to uh, scoop up for cheap whatever is there or get a, lo a lot of tiles. But if that uh, track uh, runs out, it's an immediate end to the round and you move to the next round. You had played Ra before, right? No. No, it was... Oh, so how do you feel in general about it? I very much enjoyed my game. Um, I thought that it was very smart the way that the, the way that you bid are only the tokens. I thought that it was very interesting how the token that you use is going to be what token the next person will get who wins the next auction i thought that it was interesting that some tiles stay from round to round i thought it was 
it has a lot of different things that I liked in a in what seems like a very simple, straightforward style of game. It adds a has a lot of like fun factor to it. So I thought that it was very smart, very good. It's the woman who was playing with us. I forgot her name. Was it Linda? Linda. Yeah. So she said something very, very poignant about the game and that it's the newer generation of gamers are all uh, all focused on the new like what's the new thing coming out and we forget sometimes to look back at games that you know have come out uh this came out in 1999 the original version and it's you know it's important for us to also look back at some of the like classic games because this game is a classic game and it it's very very good and i i've just never it's never been on my radar again it it is very out of print so currently um like you said they are hoping to release the new version from dice dice tree dice tree games and it's going to be in like korean and then it's going to be in german at essen uh so i'm looking forward to it you know hitting the marketplace again and having an opportunity to purchase it because right now the cheapest uh that's available is like 150 bucks so yeah and it's a game with very simple components so and i think you struck on the the main hook the fact that this constant limitation of of what you spend which may what you spend to get the tiles makes it both simple to wrap your head around although the decisions are not simple no and also it adds another level of of interest in in the bidding for position basically sometimes you bid not because you want what's out but because you need to get rid of uh, a smaller uh, token sometimes also you know that you have the smallest token so that you won't win anything interesting and so you are trying to force bids often enough so that the pot at at one point the pool will be uninteresting enough that you can win it but the other people at the table would like those pools to be better so that they can spend their hard gained (laughs) currency token on something better but um so theme and components the theme i would say is as with a lot of old euros, uh, pretense. It could be literally <laughs> anything. Um, there are civilization, which for some reasons, if you have no civilizations, is negative points. And if you have three different civilizations, it's a set collection. And there are buildings that you want a lot of different buildings or a lot of the same. So everything could be anything. You could redeem it to virtually anything. There is no conflict but even that you could probably introduce because there is a mechanism, the pharaohs that are competitive, like you want to have the most and not to have the least. So those could be armies. So I think the theme is even for the standard of a euro as irrelevant to the rest as, as you could possibly think of. The components are very varied. The copy we played with that been enhanced by the BGG game store plastic bits. But through the editions, there are different things that are good in different editions. 
the classic wooden piece of Ra that is so iconic. It was not in the Fantasy Flight most recent edition, different bags in different games. So it's hard to, to gauge how the components are in general for this game. But I would not say that is a game in any edition that you look at it and you go, oh, uh, that's that's an amazing game. I need to play that because of the of the visual. What what do you think? What was your impression? Yeah, the I mean the the geek up bits that she had were very nice. The the tiles, the like thick chunky tiles, and then I really like the the components of the actual like bidding markers. They're again shaped wood pieces and <laughs> and I'm sold on them. Uh so yeah, I really like those. But yeah, the art in general is like eh. there's like at least the version we played and I guess on the tiles. Like I like the feeling of the tile, but the like actual art on the tile is like eh. Which I get they, you know, you just use the art from the game. But yeah, I don't Nothing really stuck out to me. Nothing really was like, "Wow, this is this looks so cool." I was just like, "Okay." What do you did you feel about the the pace and arc of the game? I mean, technically, throughout the whole game, you're doing the same thing. Nothing really changes. Um, you're trying to get lots and just get the best lot for the marker that you have. So I don't feel like the the arc really changes but it is such a fast paced game that it it didn't really matter in the end sure i mean it changes a little bit because you care more for what is going to what your final uh tally of bidding markers are because that will give you points um if you're the highest or take away points if you're the lowest so it has a little bit of a difference at the end Mm-hmm. but yeah i think the the pacing is is great it just you know kind of just flows and it was it was a lot of fun i really i really liked it i did search out a copy for myself and it it i'm gonna just wait <laughs> yeah me too i i now own the the tiles because linda left me the tiles uh because she has the new the new plastic ones but i would need to to print out some kind of board and the currency tokens which might happen but now that the new edition is on the way i might simply wait for that um one thing is the the pace i think is very good on your turn you have a simple choice but you are always involved in what other people are doing because you are always on the look of whether to call a row whether to bid on a row and if someone is just drawing instead, the turn the turn is quick and over immediately. So even if you technically are doing nothing in the turn, there is virtually no downtime. There can be some downtime if you are out of a round, but usually first it was a deliberate choice. You you know that that's what you're doing. You are bidding for the third time and knowing that it's the time to cash out. And second, usually when that happens, a, the round is over in not so, such a long time. And B, it becomes interesting to see the few people who are left in, how much can they get before they bust, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the arc itself, there is not much of an arc. It's really rinse and repeat. 
the fact that a few things stay accumulate but they accumulate in a very mechanical way it's just more points here and more points there there is not uh, an escalation is not the, the, the tiles that you are drawing from it's the exact same pool they are not third age tiles that are different or that work different so i feel that that's fine but so i know you have played it once but how did you feel about two things? The the strategy, do you think there is one or that you are just beholden to what comes out and the replayability? So I think that there is a strategy. I think I kind of stumbled into a strategy <laughs> during my play because I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but I think there is a little bit of a strategy. And it it's... I don't know that it's strategy so much and, and more of just... Uh, tactics so it feels like it's a more of a tactical game because you have to be responsive to what other people have left as far as things that they're able to bid with um you have to be responsive to other people as far as how many pharaohs they have like you were saying so that way you're not the last so that way you don't lose points but um also so that if people are trying to get ahead of you on pharaohs you know are you going to let that happen or how much is that worth to you? And the God tiles, when, if you have um, acquired one, when do you, when is it best to use it? Because maybe you could win this whole lot and then you don't have to use your God tile, but maybe you won't win this lot. So I think there is uh, a little bit of strategy, but a bit more tactics involved in this game and replayability. I think it's, I think it's huge in this game because you will never, ever, ever have two games be the same because you're pulling tiles out of a bag. And I mean, I don't think that I would want to play this over and over and over and over again, like uh, in a row, but I do think that it is good amount of randomness for it to be a replayable game. I do have the digital version and I've played it twice since we've played it. And I like it. It's I I miss the physical of taking the tile out and getting to pick and determining my own fate. <laughs> and also the part where uh, I can see what everybody has because on the screen I don't really have a good visual of like what does everybody else have. So I have to click through each person and see. But yeah, I like it. I think that for me, the playing it online for this would not particularly work, not because of technical parts, but because specifically because it's such a simple basic mechanic, and that's the genius, I think, of this game. The interacting with the people at the table, looking at them, are you are you going to call a run now, or are you bidding me and seeing, oh, uh, will you go for your 13 if I put my 10 out, and things like that, is such a, a fun part of the game that I think I would miss it also because when I play online I usually don't have uh, like a audio or video setup I'm not playing that way so that would be missed for me I do agree that there is a high replayability and I think that you're right that you, you said I stumble on a strategy but I think even when you know it there is much more tactic than than a strategy you you have to deal with with what happens and uh, there are there are certain things that you can do right and do wrong, but what comes out from the bag, it's also what you have to react uh, to. 
designer and artist. The artist is, again, difficult to talk about because it changes in every edition, but I just want to uh, notice that your man, Ian O'Toole, has been credited for the last edition of Ra with other people, um, the Fantasy Flight. Right, and it says difficult to talk about him because he has so many games to his name, 635 entries on on BGG. He has done a lot. There are people who, who like almost everything that he does. I must say that even for a sheer reason of number, I tend to not like most of his games, but some of his games, uh, this and another couple, are amongst my favorite. He also seems to explore every facet of a mechanic he gets interested in. So, for example, with auction, he did a number of auction games, each focusing on something different, which basically means to me that there is usually one that I like for each mechanic because he's trying to, to, to try all of the permutations. But at the same time, there are a bunch that I don't like, all of the permutations that I don't. Non fine. It seems to apply to, to game design what Thomas Edison was applying to invention, right? Try try it all and one of them it will work, which is very different from how other other designers evolve and how some single single designs or single very noticeable design. I'm thinking, for example, of, of the Mind Clash games that are in a completely different version, right? They are all unique and there is no Oh, let's try a different version of this. Is this either works or not? A more Nikola Tesla approach in a way, and and I I like to see the difference between the two. For comparisons, I think it needs to be compared to other auction games, so we can do that later when we talk about auction games in general. So I know you probably already told us a lot about it, but uh, what are your final thoughts on on Ra? I am excited that it's getting a reprint. I think that the game is very smooth, even for people who, you know, may have struggles with auction games because you have very specific set choices. I think that where some auction games can really stumble is when you have a plethora of choices as far as what you're going to bid. Whereas this is, you have three tiles. One of these tiles you can bid with. I think that that makes it very strong, very smooth, and for a very enjoyable experience. I particularly like Ancient Egypt, but again, like you said, it's not, you know, super thematic. It's not, it could be reskinned to other things. And in fact, it has been to a cop version i guess but i i don't i don't really know what else to say other than that i had a really enjoyable experience and i look forward to adding this game to my collection in the future it is i think by large and far my favorite and most played game that i don't know uh it was a little bit by design because uh, before it became scarce we kind of decided not to have it because we were playing it at convention. And there is a certain energy to it that I like playing in a convivial environment when there is a celebration and, in a way, dynamism afoot. Uh, because I like that moment of 
calling for the Ra and disrupting someone's plan. Uh, I like the, the visualization of placing the Ra upstanding in front of you. I like the drawing yet another uh, tile from the bag. So that in a way, compared to other auction games, not only it is, as you said, more accessible. Anna, for example, doesn't like auction games, but likes this because you have a fixed thing. But also it makes for a much more interactive auction games, which sounds crazy because it limits your your possibility of interactions. But the interaction becomes with the player rather with the auction itself. I really, really like Ra. I think if you think you don't like auction games, you should give it a try. And I am always happy to play it and to shout Ra as strong as I can when it's my time to to shine. Yes. So that was Ra. I can't believe Ian O'Toole was... I can't find any images of his art on it. I'm, I'm I dumbfounded. Might be, <laughs> might, maybe he was uh, involved with the graphic design? I don't know. Because I know that the most recent version, they, people didn't like. Well, to be fair, I think that the dislike was not specifically for the art. The, the tiles, at least for me, but I have heard the same from many people. The tiles were nice. They were even clearer on certain things it was everything else like the nice chunky wooden discs that you bid with were replaced with just plain cardboard and the nice wooden piece that you place in front of you was a a weird and slim miniature so i think that the tiles were not a problem actually i've played with people who have are really into the game who have bought the new edition got just the tiles and used the the pieces from older editions so Okay. Are you excited about any games coming or coming to Kickstarter or coming to the market or anything like that? I would like to speak on the drama, the drama of Stronghold Games. Oh, I haven't heard what happened. Well, it just happened this morning, so it's breaking news. (laughs) Um, So there is the... Ares Expedition, which is the Terraforming Mars card game. So it mm-hmm. was released on Kickstarter. It's touted to be, you know, the new rendition of Terraforming Mars set in uh, a card game space. And it's supposed to play like Terraforming Mars, but faster. And it ha- it kind of looks like it plays like <sighs> Race for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Because you're playing cards into different phases and things like that. So that's kind of what it reminded me of. I don't own Race to the Galaxy. I enjoy it when I play it online. So I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'll go for it, whatever. It had some promos that are available with it, some spot UV, blah, blah. So uh, we got a message from the company, the -hmm. backers did, and they are unfortunately releasing a target exclusive edition of this game so it's going to be available uh starting today actually and we are months away from getting our copies so and that's the same i I know it's a different edition but it's the same game yes so on the other thing that is unfortunate (laughs) Is they said, oh, well, look at this comparison chart. Oh, of what you have and what they don't? Yeah. Um, it's literally the same. 
it's the same. Oh, that's, so it's that's like card great. quality, it's exactly the same. Project cards, exactly the same. Tiles and tokens, exactly the same. Game board, exactly the same. Player cubes, exactly the same. Resource cubes, exactly the same. Play modes, exactly the same. Player boards for our versions are going to be dual layered, where the other one is just cardstock. And then they also tout that we get two cube trays plus a lid, 17 promo cards, and spot UV on the box. But it's going to be, I'm imagining, much cheaper. Oh, for sure. And so it says we're supposed to be the plan is still for your games to start entering the postal system to you starting this week and continuing to be fulfilled over the next four to six weeks. Even though in the, it said that they weren't going to be shipping them until September. So I don't know. It's the comments are out of control. I just clicked into it just to look and see like, you know, like what's the general consensus and people are going completely off. Some of them are saying horrible things like horribly, like racial things. Um, yeah. Like it's like crazy. Like I don't get it. Like I get being upset. I get like, I'm frustrated too, but that, you know, cause for me, for some people it's just, you know, Kickstarter is used to you know help fund you know people's dreams i guess is you you know that's what it's supposed to be or that's what it was intended intended you know and now it's just become these companies that are well established that don't need this platform at all to because they're not they're not even deluxifying versions they're just i don't know it's it's weird. So I'm going to, I'm going to really going forward. I'm going to very, I'm going to be a lot more discriminatory as far as what things I back and what things I don't back. As you know, TMG is off my list uh, and Stronghold may be joining them. Well, TMG seems to be off anyone's list. I think they're going to close shop relatively <laughs> soon. Though. They recently lost Olean, which was the big title. Right. Um, I saw that. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, I mean, while any, I, I think that rage is usually useless and obviously insults and harassments are unacceptable, whatever happens. But I must say that I find sometimes annoying the, the people that on, I have never complained on any Kickstarter. I have had some problems. I have never bothered writing an angry comment or even a comment saying, oh, this is unacceptable and things like that because it's it's a product. If I don't like it, I won't buy it again in the future. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I am always surprised by how many people are not necessarily on the Kickstarter pages, but on the connected uh, media sphere are so inclined to defend any company that does anything because it's a company and it's their business. And it's like, sure, but if you went to the supermarket and someone mistreated you or gave you something that is not what they promised, it's not like you say, well, it's a supermarket, they have to make money, right? If they sell you tomatoes and you go home and instead of tomatoes, there are rocks, (laughs) you're not (laughs) going to be particularly kind. And while on, on Kickstarter, but also on delay of production, and the problem with these things is that there is 
a simple explanation. I mean, it's an explanation that is legitimate, but is very transparent. They had a good deal, Target pays good money, and they went with it, right? But there is no arcane, well, things happen, plans go away, because a factory is producing those things. And sure, your versions have a couple of more things, but there's another assembly line that needs to produce this thing. So it means that that thing was prioritized over the other one. There is no sugarcoating it. There is no incredible disruption with supply lines. And so, again, it might be a legitimate business choice, but sometimes people defend it as if it were, well, don't you have compassion for the family of these producers? It, it, if any other uh, situation this would happen, you would be annoyed. But wait, but wait, they also said that it's because of COVID. So COVID only works on only works on the deluxified versions, though. Yeah, the, right. Okay, the, the, the the target version is COVID free. Okay, I see. <laughs> wait, wait. Let me get the exact phrasing. Unfortunately, we were able to predict the significant supply chain and production issues related to COVID restrictions around the world. We apologize that we weren't able to hit our original plan dates that would have had most of you playing your copies by now. I think that that's not even a complete lie, right? It's probably that, oh, we cannot deliver everything, but if we don't, because of COVID, it might be very true. The point is that if they don't deliver to you, it's just, well, wait it up because we're not delivering it to you. While if you don't deliver it to Target, you are in for a million dollar right. <laughs> problem. And so, well, that's that's unfortunate. My my Kickstarter has been slowing down a little bit because I'm waiting for so many of them. I'm waiting for Ankh. I'm waiting for uh, The Great Wall. I'm waiting, waiting for Wonderland Wars uh, in September. I should be waiting for Lockdown, Nemesis, and... Uh, um, massive darkness and I, so I'm trying to limit myself the games that I want to buy not from Kickstarter are not available Imperium still and the Goonies and I look forward to the two that you backed on Kickstarter for when they come out in the regular sad uh, edition Stroganoff and Hippocrates those are the, the two that I'm I'm mm-hmm. waiting for and one another one that I really want to get and I'm there that's actually available, but I'm waiting for my order to complete is Micro Macro Crime City. Oh, you you pre-ordered it already? Are you no, ordered it? No, I didn't. Uh, I did not. It's been out for a while. Oh, it's it's it came out and went again because Cardao's Cardao's had it, but again, I didn't want to, to order just that, and which is a weird thing to say, I know, but okay. <laughs> So why don't we move to our topic for today, which is going, going, gone, which is not just the name of a game, but also is short. And for our discussion about auctions in games and auction games. And I would start specifically with that distinction that to me is very, very important. I like a few auction games. I tend not to like auctions as a, an added mechanism in in games, especially auctions that are dynamic and not simply, oh, I can offer more than you. I tend to like auctions if the game recognizes them as important and builds around them rather than having just one aspect that is auctions. 
for example, that was my only problem with the game Edo. Mm-hmm. That has a very interesting worker placement with a moving tableau of what's open and what's not, the risky proposition of getting here and there. But at the beginning of the round, everyone gets something, but the way you determine who gets something is kind of multiple mini auctions. And those, to me, slow down the game, bog down the game a little bit. How do you feel? Do you like auctions as... Do you generally like auction games? Do you like auctions in games? How do you do you feel? I really like auctions. I do understand how they can definitely bog down a game, um, especially when it's not the... So in... I will defend Yido though, because mm-hmm. it the mechanism of the action is just the the one around mm-hmm. versus the 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 auctions where you can bid, 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 and keep going until someone's done. Um But you do it multiple times, right? Yeah. So I mean you do one for each player so that way each person gets something, but it's it's just once around the the table. So it's, you're just bidding, you're saying how much something's worth to you. And if, and, and then the next person can increase or, or pass. And then the last person who started the auction can outbid you or whatever and pay the higher amount or whatever. And, and so it's, it's not, I don't know. I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like the ones in Yido are the ones that, I would complain slow the game down. I get that they are a little out of place in the game because mm-hmm. everything else feels a lot more like a, a general worker placement, but I don't think that it completely slow. Like, I don't think it completely slows the game down. In general, I feel that auctions in games that are not auction-based tend to feel to me, and I know that's probably not the case of Edo, which I like quite a bit, and I'm excited to try your your new fancy version at some point, that seems sometimes where, okay, I have determined the value and the cost of all of these things. There are a few more things that I don't know exactly how to balance, so let the the players balance it, right? (laughs) And that that feels like a a coup-out. For example, at the beginning, there are these items. I don't know exactly how to structure them, maybe connect them to player order or something. Therefore, you figure it out. And that that's the feeling that I get from... And that's, I think, the risk of auction games in general, that sometimes there are a few auction games that I like a lot, but there are a bunch of auction games that I find just uninteresting because it's just... Uh, okay, I have to figure out what's better, which is constant permutation on the same concept. Uh, but I find that games that are built around auctions and that provide me for ways to either through traditional auctions and open and close and all of that, um, they can be very interesting. One of the things that fascinates me about auctions is how many different ones there can be. There is the once around. There is the once around, but so as many times around as you want, but if you pass, you're out. There is the one that is secret, simultaneous bidding. And there are fixed values like RA. There is the fixed value approach that um, Stockpile takes, where you outbid on fixed numbers 
other players and you cannot be exactly the same and they they grow not necessarily one two three four but they grow with intervals so there are a lot of different approaches to auctions and that fascinates me and that's why while it's probably not amongst my favorite games i have always been interested and at one point i had a copy which i don't remember if you have now or some i i gave it to someone of modern art which is a very ugly game i'm waiting for a new edition of that as well but that that explore that again it's a rhino nizia game so his method is exploring all of the permutational possible mechanism and the modern art decided to do that in a game it's a game where every time you start an auction the card that you are starting the auction with determines what kind of auction it is and again there are various iterations so that's what fascinates me with with auctions that right at the beginning of the mechanism there are a lot of possible permutation well take for example worker placement sure you can build very different games on worker placement but the worker placement constraints are always the same while with auctions is the opposite i feel that the difference the variety is front-loaded is as soon as you get into an auction you already determine what kind of auction it is how it works whether you're using points or currency or fixed currency and and i find that particularly interesting yeah i think that yeah there's so many different kinds of of auction games and so many different and then also like we were saying the distinction between games that use auctions in them and games that are auction games so for example five tribes i would not consider an auction game but it definitely has the bidding for turn order and you're bidding with points so it's it has all these different, like you were saying, it's it can be completely, completely different from game to game. And I just, yeah, I agree. I think that's super interesting. Yes, and I, I think that it makes its way in so many, so many different games uh, from so many different designers. I feel that every designer who has a lot of games at some point explores the auction mechanism. Uh, Feld has done it, uh, Nietzsche obviously has done it, but there is a lot of micro micro instances of auctions in a lot of different games. So one game, for example, that we played recently that is it's technically an auction game, but it doesn't feel like an auction game is Beowulf. And I wanted to bring it up, not only because I like mentioning Beowulf, it's, uh, I always say that is my favorite bad game <laughs> i think it's a game that is very flawed it's uncontrollable it often devolves in utter randomness but that i really 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 enjoy and that is usually defined as an auction game because you are trying to outbeat an opponent but the way it works so in Beowulf, you can flip cards from deck and if you're lucky they add to your bid makes it so that it doesn't feel like having the constraint and the resources that auction games usually have. Because usually with auction games is, where do I use my resources, right? When is the right time to strike? While with Beowulf, a lot of it is reactionary to what has happened to other people, not to what other people have. And so I feel that it breaks the the mold of an auction game, although technically I think it is I, I haven't checked, but I, I suppose that is categorized as an auction game. So I try to to think in terms of what are different ways of of approaching um, 
over approaching auctions and sometimes games that are marked as auctions don't feel like auctions and sometimes the opposite for example there is a game that i don't particularly love but it is lancaster by let me see it's an old game well old game it's a game from 2011 so not that old by matthias kramer that involves basically placing your your knights on a board to bid for actions but since you can beat someone with a stronger knight and send their knight away, they are basically a constant accumulation of different auctions and uh, that are disguised as something else. And so people sometimes call it a, a worker placement. But the fact that you have different currencies, your different knights, and with that you can displace someone else make it actually a collection of little auctions. And I find fascinating how that there are, as you were saying a moment ago, so many different permutations, so many different versions. So when trying to think of what, what are my favorite, I excluded games where the auction was crucial but not particularly interesting uh, in terms of mechanism. For example, I recently played... William Wallace, William Wallace, Martin Wallace's Hit the Road again, mm-hmm. which I, I really enjoy. It's a very fanciful, very playful approach to the zombie uh, style game, zombie survival. And that has a crucial auction. Every turn, what you're doing is bidding on an auction and then resolving the result of your different player order. But it's such a straightforward auction and such a you just have resources and you pay them, that if someone is into auction games rather than looking for a weird approach to apocalyptic games, I wouldn't tell them, well, if you are an auction game player, you must try It's the Road. So I left that kind of stuff out. Did you have any particular interest or did you just go for went for which ones I enjoy the most and try to, to get to those? Yeah, I just tried to focus on the ones that were that were actual auction games that weren't just, you know, that the, the auction was just one part of the, the overall game, but more the actual main focus of it. So what did okay. you, what did you pick? Well, I have a question, which obviously if, if we decide to include it, well, I, I will just mention one that I left out because I'm not sure if it qualifies exactly as an auction, but that I really, really like and I feel it's a kind of an auction. Uh, Rialto by Stefan Feld. I put Rialto in. Okay, okay. So I, I will mention that I haven't ranked it, but for me it would probably be possibly number one because I like it so much. Rialto as plays through a series of auctions in which you don't bid with a currency, but you bid with cards. The one thing that um, made me feel weird about it is that you have these cards that, well, yeah, I guess you have multiple currencies. And basically you choose the, the set of cards at the beginning of the round and then you use it on all of those. The one thing that made me feel it didn't embody the the perfect auction game for me is that there are no leftovers, so there is never a moment in which you want to conserve your currency for a later stage. There are some wilds that you can use at one point or another. But so I think that one of the things that I feel important in, in auction games is when to go in 
on what you you feel and need. And I guess that's why I left it out. But I really, really like Rialto. So that will be probably my honor mention. So we played Biblios just recently. And mm-hmm. Biblios is very high for me, probably. We're doing these completely out of order, but that's <laughs> uh, probably like my number. It's probably my number one. So since you did your number mm-hmm. one, I'll do my number one. Uh, but I will always play Biblios. There is never a time when someone suggests Biblios and I'm like, no, I don't really feel like playing that. Or there is never a time when I'm playing games with people and I'm like, oh, I could suggest Biblios, but I don't think this person will like it. Never. Not a thing. So I <laughs> I really like Biblios. I think that it's a really solid game between the the two phases, which are both solid and fun on their own. Um, I think that combined, it just makes for a really well-rounded game. Mm-hmm. I agree. I- totally agree with everything you said i hadn't thought of biblios and uh, i think the reason for that is that to me the the mechanism that i love in biblios and i find exciting and new is the the first part the see the cards and divide them but one at a time but you're absolutely right that the second part the auction also works very well there are actually two auctions interlapped because you have the auction with gold for cards and the actual four cards spending gold so yeah that's um right very good good pick i think so my number three for um, <laughs> in all for, of our crazy order yeah i'm now trying to get to the ones that i put on the list but is strasbourg by uh, stefan feld mm-hmm. it is one of the rarest feld i own because it has been out of print for a while and is also not particularly popular um, part of it is that you want to play it with four or five, while Rialto might shine, for example, at four or five, but I'd gladly play it with three. I even played it with two. Um, Strasbourg needs to be played at four or five. It takes a little while to explain. Um, it's an auction game in which you, you go through a myriad of small auctions. I think there are technically 40 auctions in the game. In actuality, some of them get skipped, but there are a lot of of auctions. It, there are five rounds. You do a, a bunch of mini auctions during the round, and then you resolve something at the end. The nice twist is that everyone has the same deck of cards that range from one to six. And you draw, at the beginning of each round, you draw as many cards as you want from your deck. You could draw your entire deck. The problem is that everything that you draw must be used in that round, and with very few exceptions when you lose an auction and get nothing they go to the bottom but in general that's it so everything that you draw will be gone so if you decide to draw through your entire deck you will probably will win everything in the first round and then be doomed for the rest of the game and the way it works is that you draw one card and you decide if you want to draw another card and then another and then another and, and you stop when you're happy with the number of cards you have but that means that you are not guaranteed flexibility because if you roll a six and then a four and then you draw another one to have more flexibility and draw another six, then you have probably too much. And you divide these cards into piles. So you basically create the fixed currency of a game like Ra. But A, secretly, people don't know what's in your piles. They know how many piles you have and how many cards are in each pile. But you could have a six or I could have a one and a two. So the fact that I have two cards to your one card doesn't really matter 
Um, and so you enter the round with these many piles and you do these micro actions, micro auctions that determine who plays on a board, who gets a certain token. I find it very charming, very different. It combines everything that can be frustrating for people with regard to auctions. The fact that you don't get your money back if you don't win because everyone down to the third player gets a diminishing reward, but they still have to pay. The fact that you have to keep an eye on turn order because that's tiebreaker. So there are a few things that I can see how they are frustrating and tight and all of that, but I like that kind of experience a lot. Strasbourg by Stefan Feld. Yeah, I remember I've only played that once. um, And I remember sitting there and saying, I want a really mean game. And um, I think Scott was there too. And he was like, but I don't want, he was like, I don't want something super complicated. So I remember Mm -hmm. that this was the thing that you picked (laughs) with the not super complicated, but very, very mean. So uh, it feels very, very mean though. That that's the, the trick. It's really a mean game because there are so many moments in which you get to the end of the game and you go, Oh, okay, I'm done. At the end of the round, I, I got nothing of what I wanted, and I still spend a lot of resources because you cannot take back your your constructed bids. So if someone bid, uh, beats you for what you really wanted, you end it. You end up overpaying for something else. So yeah, it can be very mean. Yeah. So okay, what do you have? Uh, I said for sale, mm-hmm. which is pretty basic but i i really enjoy it i think it's a lot of fun um so basically in first sale from stefan dora and who's it published by though there's a yellow version ravensburger all the eco games yeah all the normal people um so in this game you are going around a table and bidding on a set of things Um, you're bidding for first choice of the things um, and either you increase the bid or you pass and you take the lowest card so you just keep doing that for the first half of the game and if you don't uh, win your bid you take back half the money rounded down and like if you aren't the the top player you get half your money back rounded down. And then in the second half of the game, you're selling the things off. You're using them to bid on a set of money cards. And uh, the person with the highest one there gets the highest card and so on. So um, it's really quick. It plays, like I said, very fast. And I think that, I think I like the games. I think I'm finding out that I like games where there's a, like two parts of the game. Like there's an auction part. You mentioned that, yeah. And a something else part. So I think that's where my, my groove is for, although I really like Raw. Well, but again, that comes down, I think, to, to Arc. The two steps give you a, a clear sense of an arc, right? We are done with the first phase and then we're moving in the second phase. And I think that that's something that, as you know, also resonates with me quite a bit. The fact that it's not just a 
more of the same. There is a, a moment of change. And I think I like La, Ra despite the lack of it, right? <laughs> the fact that Ra repeats is not a particular draw to me, but it has so many other things that it does well. And actually, my number two was Ra, so I won't say anything more about it and just move to your number one, I guess. Um, oh, it was big. Yep. It. So what do you, what are you going to talk the, about? The other one I was going to say was Rialto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I like the area control portion of it, or the area, area majority, rather. Um, it's not really control, but it's area majority. And I think that that makes it... Again, it's like you have the auction, and then you also have this other part that is interesting in a mechanism that I like, and they're blended together very seamlessly because it's like these are the auctions. Did you win this auction? Yes, you get to place one, or you get to place two, or you know whatever. And it's it's interesting. It's just it's really good. Yes, I love I love Rialto, and I think that. Again, one of the genius things, which is also what keeps me going back and forth on how much of an auction I consider it is, for example, the way it works for people who haven't played, is you are doing these mini auctions for different things, turn order, money, building points to build buildings, and presence on the board, and choice of points, and things like that. But the interesting thing is that everyone pays not just the person who wins, and everyone gets something. So if I play three money cards, I get three money. If I play three building cards, I get three building points. The one thing that you are competing for is a bonus, an extra step, which seems when described like this, just a very minor thing, but actually becomes crucial because you could win it with just one. So if I win with the coin and I actually get two, that's a big thing because you're playing with six, seven, depending on the moments of the game, uh, cards you are throughout the game, so it's very tricky to to choose what to do. Um, but I do like it a lot. I haven't played it in too long now, I think. And my number one, a game that I think is the epitome of of um, auction games is Medici. I got to play it during the Jackie Con. It's a rare event for me because Anna really, really, really dislikes um, Medici. And so it's another Rainer Mitzia game. I have the Grail edition illustrated by Vincent Dutre, uh, which I really like. It's not perfect in terms of visibility, but it's a much uh, better version than all of the other older Medici. So Medici has a couple of things that go for it. First, you bid with points. So there is not a currency and an end score. You are constantly putting your art gain points or your starting points on the line to try and improve your score, and which means that you are never sure, you are never guaranteed uh, of your position. You have always to bid to keep ahead, but if you bid too much, you ruin uh, yourself. And also that there is in pushing other people to go in even just a little bit over what they were planning on spending on an auction, you are actually directly attacking their point value. Um, so Medici, I won't get into the details, but you are set collecting and through a, a set of auctions that is determined by the current player. So a player flips one, two, or three cards and they flip them sequentially and they choose when to stop. And then they send them up for, for bid. Everyone has a one bid around, but they can bid any number 
of points up to the value and you are trying to do set collection and beside the color which is a set collection each card has a numerical value and you try to build a bigger boat basically a high value set the high value is worth only for each round there are three rounds and you score a lot of points for that while the set collection grow and they stay on a board and you score more and more for those i really like it is extremely anxiety inducing because again you are directly affecting your own score and there is not a fixed thing so should i be 13 or 15 or 17 or maybe 13 was already too high and i should have beat nine and it's such a fun game it's such a dynamic game i think it's a game that is very important to let people play and make their own choices and their own mistakes it happens a little too often with this game didn't happen at this last game we had a very nice time but when i played it at convention sometimes people want to tell people what to do oh nathan needs those two cards so you should be at least 13 and so especially for new players it becomes extremely frustrating because you feel you either go along with what other people are doing telling you and then you're not playing the game or you're ruining the game and stupid things like that so i think it's (laughs) like in any game but in this game in particular it's very important to just explain the general principles maybe get some pointers before the game starts but then let people do their own choices because that's where the game is. And if you take that away, and I think that's what soured the game for, for Anna. It has happened a few too many times when we played at conventions that someone at the table was trying to tell us or someone else, do this and that. And then you either get into a counter-directing the new player. No, you should do this other thing. Or you just give up and let the game become basically a negotiation game and I don't like either of those options, but when played as not God in this case, but as Ryder Needs intended as an auction game, Medici is an excellent and very, very fun experience for me. I've played it. Um, have you played the, the card game? Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled. I've only played the card game a few times. Um, I've played the the actual game online a few times, but it's okay for me. Oh, apparently I really dislike the, the card game. I went to see my rating and I gave it a 4.5. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for me. But yeah, so those were our auction games. And just like that, our episode is also Going, Going, Gone. So. <laughs> nice. Have you played Going, Going, Gone? No. Okay. It's a, it's a strange it... game. It's a Scott Nicholson oh, really? game. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, um, I, I, so, I I stole your thunder. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for uh, being patient with us as uh, you know we go through life and we you know are trying to release content um, in a timely fashion. But again, you know we're just doing this because we we love to talk about games and we love to you know have this, you know, little hobby together. So I really appreciate all the comments and and support that we've gotten from people. If you like us, please consider sharing it or subscribing. Um, and I have been a little bit more active on the Instagram page. And there may be a giveaway again somewhere in the future. Uh, so I really enjoyed doing that. It was a lot of fun and it was 
appreciated by my uh, partner who says to get rid of some of these games that are clogging up our house. So, <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And um, signing out, as always, is me, Nathan. And I'm Jackie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Nathan, for this chat. Have a great day and see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.